Every leader has a strategy. Executing on that strategy is the challenge. If you want to learn how to effectively achieve what you've set out to accomplish, then this show is for you. Gain keen insights and listen in as leaders share their stories and challenges. Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation welcome you to Leader Dialogue Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Duffy Dixon with Business Radio X. Thanks so much for joining us here on Leader Dialogue, brought to you by Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation. Joining me is Jennifer Strahan. She is the Chief Operating Officer with Soar, and also Lisa Council, who is the Chief Commercial Officer. Uh, we didn't we didn't rib our uh, Commander in Chief, the CEO, who is uh, Ben Sawyer, who usually joins us, but he is where is he? He's this in time? Colorado. Mm-hmm. Oh, talking was, about snowballs. Last week we were talking about snowballs, so he was right. traveling back from Colorado. Although he, he did say it was like seventy, I think, yeah, when he was over so there. Maybe, yeah, which yeah, yeah. I don't really think no, it's fair. Yeah. Personally. yeah, I don't like that at all. Colorado no. in March, seventy. Yeah. Oh, now we know. Yeah, he was always going to fun places. We mm-hmm. to, yeah. Hopefully mm-hmm. he brings us back saying, not a snowball. No yeah. snowball. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks so much for joining us again this week. Uh, if you listened in last week, we have our one of our speakers back. He was excellent. His name is Lyndall Fields. And I will just tell you, uh, he has been with the Tri-County Tech Organization for quite a while. He's the superintendent. But the really cool thing, I think, is that for four years now, he has been voted as Fortune's Great Places to Work. He's made the list four years in a row, and he also is a prestigious Malcolm Baldridge Award winner. And we've been picking his brain for great things. Last time we talked a lot about um, the power of an engaged workforce, and he has done amazing things to keep his workforce and manage to uh, you know, compel students and everyone else. So we're going to keep on that topic. Um, Jennifer, you have a couple things that we wanted. We call this the deep dive. So yeah. a few more questions for you, Lyndall, that, yeah. and welcome. Yes, thanks for for calling back in, and uh, we're excited to be able to talk with you again. Um, You know, we talked about a lot of things last week, and I feel like it was a really interesting conversation, especially relative to technical schools versus maybe more traditional um, higher education and just the value that it brings. And in the midst of that, being able to really, to Duffy's point, engage your workforce to help bring that mission to life. Uh, and, you know, two things kind of stood out to me, but I'll start with one that you mentioned, which is really consistency is key. Um, and so you said something where you, you mentioned not what you do in a day, but it's it's what you do daily. So it's not just about saying we do one thing or another, but it's actually about living and breathing it consistency, consistently every single day. Um, and one example you gave was just proximity to leaders. And so one of the goals that we want to do in this show is really start to create some tangible takeaways for the audience so that they can hear some of those things and say, okay, well, how do I take that back to my, my organization? What can I do there? So any other thoughts when you shared, for instance, around um, communication was an example of consistency and being able to really focus in on the right communications, just not just every communication. Um, you talked, you started talking about Facebook Live. Right. And, so, you know, a lot of things come to mind in terms of proximity and, and communication. And I mentioned last week about how we were so proud that we had so many communication methods. And, and when you have so many, it, it confuses people, and it's kind of like the social media. Sometimes you can just get overwhelmed with all the communication. So for us, we, we have three simple forms of communication. We um, do a, um, a Monday coffee talk. It's the traditional Monday type mem- memo with things you need to know and primarily highlights 
um, people in our workforce who've earned what we call a white bison and talks about activities on <laughs> campus and so on and so forth. Those, um, those highlights are um, replicated when I do a, a Facebook Live or a Facebook video later in the week. And so it's a way for a leader to get in front of the workforce. Um, it doesn't matter if you're in Colorado or New Zealand or Boston. You know, sometimes I get a kick out of people when they say, hey, I'm sorry I didn't call you back. I was out of town. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. like, uh, <laughs> the Internet doesn't work in Boston or Colorado. <laughs> you know, it works everywhere. So you can be anywhere in the world and be engaged with your workforce. So you do, you do five minutes. Hey, gang, just wanted to let you know that at the board meeting last night, they approved the school calendar for next year. Well, it doesn't have to be um, anything staggering, just mm-hmm. the basic information. And then we have a, um, a monthly superintendent's event, which is much like the town halls that we've talked about. But we do that consistently every month where we recognize um, people for doing great things. We break bread together. Um, senior leaders give a, a really brief report, brief, keyword brief report, <laughs> and, and we celebrate for less than an hour um, once a month. And that that right there does it. Uh, I do not send out um, company-wide emails. N- nobody does. That email's kind of no something we don't alls. use. Wow, no reply-alls. That is crazy. <laughs> right, right. So those are simple ways to communicate. Um but in, in terms of proximity, so the the one thing that we talked about regarding Facebook is that gives people proximity to the leader, um, albeit Facebook Live, it, it's very, very effective. So the proximity thing makes me think about a conversation I had with a young leader a few years, few years ago, and they shared this idea for a new program, not at my school, um, but a different organization. I'm like, that is a fantastic idea. Have you shared that with your superintendent? And after a bit of a pause and an awkward <laughs> look, you knew the answer. <laughs> they said I would be more likely to get a meeting with Bigfoot. Oh. So, as sad as that is, a lot of people feel that way. We know that only you know a small percentage of people are truly engaged in the workplace. It doesn't take a lot. They just want their voices to be heard and it doesn't take lots of money or time to do that so that's an example of, of proximity that um, comes to mind you know lisa you talked about town halls mm-hmm. last time and i think there's such a difference in what i would consider maybe a superficial town hall we go out once a quarter or even less and we're there and we're sharing everything that's going on and it's really just a didactic approach or talk and then you open it up for questions and then your audience of a thousand people of course you may have one brave soul that wants to stand up of course but no it's not two-way dialogue it's not meaningful dialogue so i love that you've actually identified intentional ways that people are honestly much more comfortable responding to and actually getting information but also have a way to to give information or respond to that information Right, exactly. You know, the, the social media people are more brave to uh, post questions exactly. or enter into dialogue than they would if they were one of a thousand, you know, in a town hall. And, you know, if the town hall's all you got, gosh, by all means, do it. Um, mm-hmm. There's probably ways to engage the workforce um, versus, um, I think one of you mentioned didactic, you know, sit and get kind of thing where you could interact with employees, uh, recognize employees for exhibiting values. Um, Gosh, there's a, there's a million ways to do that to make it more um, enjoyable for for the workforce to make them feel like they're 
really a part of the organization. Well, I think that's key. It sounds like from our talk last week, again, not only are you engaging the workforce, mm-hmm. but you're empowering them. So I've always heard, you know, when I become silent, you know, I've kind of checked mm-hmm. out from, from mm-hmm. the organization's mission, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, by your engagement and your empowerment, you really are. I mean, you're franchising your brand to all of your educators, right? They have a stake in the game. Right. They do have stake in the game. And so I love how you said that, mm-hmm. franchising your mm-hmm. brand. I've never really thought it about it that way, but... You know, when people are engaged, they, they become engaged because they know where you're headed. They, they know where you're going. And when they know where you're headed and where they're, you're going, they can be part of that. And a, a couple things that we've done when the economy's kind of tanked is we've really just um, um, did an all call to the staff. Now, we save these. These are very um, far and few between but we do an all-call to the staff for ideas. And then consistently we have a Bright Ideas program um, where um, individuals in the organization can submit ideas based upon um, our, uh, our key core values or our um, key performance measures. And uh, that gets people engaged too. Uh, on average, we have about 80 ideas submitted a year with about 50% getting implemented. So wow. that's, that's another lot. way to get people involved in the organization. You know, it, reading your bio too, you know, one of your claims to fame, so I know you talk to groups and things, is, you know, instilling a love of learning in students. So I'm guessing that that culture has to actually start with your. Uh, with your teachers, with with the people who work with you. Any tips on how you do that? And I think that could translate into other businesses. A love for, you know, whatever it Mm -hmm. is you do. Right, instilling a love for learning. Well, that does start with our teachers, but one of the the other mantras, we've talked about a few of those, one of the other mantras is that if you're not taking care of the student, take care of someone who is. Hmm. And for us, that was a silver bullet, and it could be you're not taking care of the patient, take care of someone who is. If you're not taking care of the customer, take care of someone who is. So the bus drivers, the maintenance people, the cafeteria people suddenly know that their job is to take care of the patient. For me as the CEO, I'm support staff. My job is to give the frontline staff the resources they need to be successful. So it reframes everything. And so you suddenly have more than teachers that understand that students are your priority. Now, it's important to note that, like most businesses, my school's a choice. Not a single kid has to come here, mm-hmm. right? Not right. a t- traditional K-12 where you have to go compulsory education. So we have a business to run, right? And it's, it's dependent upon us having customers in the building. So um, I, I don't think that's any different than, I say, Target, for example, right? Right. And their choice. And if they don't offer good customer service and a good product, they're not going to be in business. So um, I may have gotten off topic a little bit there, but I think I, no, that maybe, was perfect. maybe we're on the same page. Yeah, that was perfect. So one thing sure. that comes to mind, we again, focusing on workforce, um, right. you know, this is, you brought this up last time when you talked about 
TV reporters often get questioned around, oh, how much do you make? And right. there are certain industries that you know uh, probably are not millionaires walking around um, mm-hmm. from the sake of the work that they've done. And teachers is one of those areas. Right. So you bring up, I think, a really good point that is not uncommon in, I would say, any organization, regardless, because every organization has different levels of types of positions, right? So one common pushback we hear from people is well they don't make enough to be engaged or they're not engaged because of you know xyz but often pay is an example of what that looks like so talk a little bit about how you have been able to engage the culture um maybe not necessarily just from i know we talked about like paper for for performance you know last week when we were connecting but uh, what other ways have you been able to really engage your workforce outside of just pay because that that goes to the that's culture you're stake. talking about yeah mm-hmm. yeah like we like you talked last week i mean it's a it's a starter like right that that has you, to be you have to have right. the the pay there but again there there are other value to their to your to your workforce right so yeah the, the pay and benefits you have to pay the livable wage and depending on what levels you look at you know that it's it's different in different parts of the country and give good benefits. You know, in education, typically there's really good benefits, so that adds a lot too. And mm-hmm. Tri County's no exception. We have fifty some odd paid days off, um, paid maternity leave, sick leave, childcare, those kinds of things. So um, the benefits are are really really good too as an educator. But beyond that, is people being able to to give their talents to something something bigger than themselves and so when people have the opportunity to do that they will be engaged and and I can't emphasize enough we've already talked about this when people know where the organization is going the major league baseball team knows the goal is to win the world series so often you ask an an organization regardless of the type of industry where's the organization going you know what is the vision of the organization and and people simply don't know so when you can paint that picture of where the organization's going, people can see how they fit into it. But then it comes down to leadership, you know, providing opportunities. And the biggest challenge for me, if I may, is when you work in an organization, we, have a, we do have an amazing culture. And, and my senior leaders, for example, have all been with us um, 20 years. Um, oh, wow. I think our CFO's yeah, great. 15 years. So what do you do when you have, you know, you have rock stars? You can't have you can't have eighty vice presidents, right? <laughs> um, you have you have to create meaningful work and you have to create opportunities, and that leads to our our formula for promotion. Everybody knows it at Tri County. Do the job you have now better than anybody's ever done it, and good things will come your way. So um, that goes back to people have to work hard, have a good attitude and good things will come their way. So um, engagement is just about letting them see the, see the big picture. And when you ask for input, you know, you listen. And, and if you can't implement it, then you say why. And if you can, then you celebrate. I'm going to be a stand-in for Ben. So imagine Ben sitting here saying this because uh, I think he would he would – be applauding you at what you're talking about whereas you're getting the organization behind you they have to know where you're going what you're doing um, there is a study that is I think we've shared this on the show a couple times before where if 
the uh, let's see the study went in and they brought I think six different strategic plans laid them out on a conference room they were all redacted so you couldn't know who it didn't have any reference to the organization um, okay. and had middle managers walk in to see and just had to find which of those six plans was their organization so it was like a multiple choice right um, okay. you just had to pick it up and identify it and only 29 percent of leaders were able to actually identify their plan and that was leadership so that was people who really should know mm-hmm. what is our strategic plan and they couldn't identify it so i completely agree with what you're saying um, and you mentioned talent like being able to support the talent what are ways that you guys support your your teachers and your team in engaging and continuing to develop their own talents? Well, so individual development, um, we, uh, we hold in high esteem professional development and we, we, we call it unlimited professional development. So um, people can um, ask for uh, leadership training or technical update training uh, to improve uh, their capacity. And we will um, we will we will approve it, and people will self monitor. So the question is, it's really people scratch their head and they're like, "How do you pay for that?" The CFO. Well, people are going to to be reasonable um, about about that. So we let them pick and choose, and and people know themselves what they need to work work on the best. We don't need leaders necessarily. I mean, sometimes you have to say, "Hey, I want you to work on a certain thing," but people self identify. They develop mm-hmm. their own. Um, professional development plans, and that just creates such a sense of trust. Oh, I get to pick my plan, but I have to tell you, um, when we eliminated a state state mandate, I can't believe I just said that on the air, (laughs) that that, uh, we're going to eliminate professional development points. So for you, it might be go to this conference. For you, it might be to read this book, and I'm giving you simple examples, Mm -hmm. but it's it's whatever you need to be the best version of you, and whatever you submit, we're going to to approve. So that's amazing. But with the first time we rolled that out, everybody's like, "Yay!" And then they're like, "Oh, I have to develop my own plan. <laughs> I have to be accountable." <laughs> you know, it's harder than harder than you think. So, and that's a simple thing of just, um, you know, leadership doesn't have to have all the answers. Just. Yeah. Um, let other people do it. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that'll surprise you. And that tells me, as an employee, you trust me. You trust my mm-hmm. decisions. Mm-hmm. The same thing when he says he welcomes ideas and some of them get implemented. I mean, even if my idea doesn't get implemented, the fact that... You heard me. And my coworker, yeah. you know, oh, they, right. they did it. I mean, right. that goes so far. Yeah, for sure. It's so simple, but um, yeah. thinking about like the Marine mantra of, you know, who I so heard, understood, acknowledged, mm-hmm. even if it's not implemented, it's acknowledged, right? I right. understand. I'm taking the time to actually listen to you. I think that right. really helps drive that culture of what you're talking about. I heard, I read an article early this year. Um, it's still early this year, but in January <laughs> and it, crazy. and it literally, um, it talked about that, you know, January of every year, a third of every employee is shopping a job. Hmm wow right like that just kind of hit me that you know a third of your workforce during the beginning of the year whenever your fiscal year begins is looking for a new job um tell us a little bit lindell about kind of your organization it sounds like your leaders have been there greater than 20 years i mean tell us about your retention of your workforce well you you know you're so right we hear you know people that aren't engaged or people looking for jobs the numbers are all over but they're high um, I, I suspect we have people that are 
looking for other opportunities. You know, the pasture's always greener, but what's it say? It costs more to water sometimes. <laughs> you know, we've had a couple um, leave and come back. But by and large, our, our um, retention rate is 95%. Wow. So if you think about 100 employees, we lose four or five a year to other opportunities. Um, or, you know, uh, maybe a partner gets transferred. We mm-hmm. still count it. We lost them. Mm-hmm. But um, if if we go over 10%, I would be concerned about my own viability. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, that that would be concerning to us. So... And again, that just it just goes it goes back to the culture of trust, and you know, this this sounds great, all of this stuff, and I I know people are probably thinking, really, can you be serious? But what we have to remind is this doesn't happen overnight. You know, mm-hmm. what is it? Um, the best time to plant a tree was twenty years, years ago. ago. The best mm-hmm. is now. This, you know, we had two day retreats where the KPMs would take us two days to to hammer out key performance measures and mm-hmm. you know there's there's a lot of um things that go into making the sausage um but um pretty soon it does you know it, it gets it seems simple but it just didn't happen overnight right well and you know you just mentioned that you had um a key leader in your political regime there in your state come and visit how are you impacting you know statewide your education system and tell us how you're you're really going beyond just the bounds of your own organization right so you know um there is there is a lot of attention um given to our organization oddly enough um a, a lot of it's coming from out of state you know what is you can't be a prophet in your own land sometimes <laughs> um but we we are affecting so um we're having best practices conferences and so since we accomplished vision 20 20, we rolled out Vision 2025, and our mantra behind Vision 2025 is um, to help other organizations become great places to work with world-class results. So we feel like nice. it's time to give back with our leadership training. So we believe it's about leadership, and and simply that's the law of the lid that comes from John Maxwell in the number one leadership book of all time, The 21 Irrefutable mm-hmm. Laws of Leadership. Mm-hmm. And the number one law is um, the law of the lid. And our organization began to really um, blossom when we lifted the lid. We recognized that your organization can't grow beyond its own leadership capacity, and we had to grow our leadership capacity in order to grow our organization. And we began to invest in our people with time and money. That's awesome. You know what is uh, the undercurrent of this whole conversation, which we've not really pulled out um, and it's it's servant leadership, right? Mm-hmm. How do you make sure that everything you're doing is really serving your your team, serving your customers, your students, your patients? And that I think is such a rare form. People talk about it, mm-hmm. but they to me, really things you're talking about are just simple ways. Uh, I say simple; that's not necessarily the case. Some of these are more complicated um, and take time. But but again, it's just the bread and butter of what you actually are doing. It's servant leadership. And Lindell described himself the first time he said, talking about what he does, he said, I'm support staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And Lindell, I think I read on your website, again, you have all these little great anecdotes and, and sayings, you know, nobody really cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. I think that is so transformational when you're really trying to bring people along and get them on the boat. Right. And move in the same direction. Yeah, with, without a doubt. Uh, 
you know, long gone are the days that you show up to work and um, you get paid a paycheck and the boss can live with that. Um, from time to time, we still see that, but those aren't successful organizations. And uh, no, I, I think if you really want to do something significant in your organization, that's that's what you you have to do. And um, I call it going southpaw. You know when Rocky learned how to box, <laughs> and coach. You remember he had that left hook. He would he had a haymaker, and then you know that you um, want to start throwing a jab, and that's how you really win fights. But when you get hit in the head, you start throwing those haymakers again. <laughs> Leaders know that being gracious and and being uh, giving opportunities to their people is the right thing to do, but then it gets a little uncomfortable and they go mm. back old school. Mm-hmm. And um, so if you just stay the course, pretty soon you'll find out you can win the fight with those right those right hands. That's it it feels like you're being vulnerable. You know, like you said, yeah. to say for, for the person in charge to say, I don't know everything, that's huge. But it, the, I think the dividends pay off. I really do. Well, I think to have trust, really bi-directional trust, both parties have to be vulnerable, That's right? Right. right. Yeah. Stephen Covey talks about that in one of, in um, I think it's Stephen Mr. The Son Covey mm-hmm. talks mm-hmm. about that where you have to display and give trust before people will naturally see it as a leader. Mm-hmm. So it's exactly right. Right. You know, one thing if we can just because I know we um, have a few minutes and I want to kind of shift to a topic you talked about before and you brought this up in our last week's show where you mentioned less is more. And it reminded me of, um, we were privileged to talk with Jane Pope, who is CEO of Hill Country Memorial, also a Baldridge recipient, uh, but that's a hospital. And one of the things that she said that I wrote down when she said it was, the more complex things get, the simpler we get. And in the midst of it, it, it's hard. The bigger of an organization you are, um, the, you know, more complicated your strategy gets to really kind of step back and look at the bones of it and you gave the example of the communication methods that you talked about both last week and this week Um, and and it's hard to sometimes look at what you're doing to say should we be doing all these things are Mm -hmm. these all meaningful are these the right ways versus can we really get down to the essence of the essential components can you talk a little bit about maybe that that paradigm shift that you guys went through to get there Right. Our mantra, less is more, stick to the core, which is fitting for us because we talk about our core programs and services. But the mantra that really started with is when you try to be everything to everybody, you can't be anything to anybody. And so when you're out here trying to do all this stuff, you simply can't do it. And I'll tell you the most profound Baldridge moment I've had, and that was in 2005, and I was in a breakout session at a Baldridge conference, the national conference, listening to um, Bronson Hospital, had to come back Mm -hmm. to me. And in that breakout, the presenter was able to clearly articulate who they were, what they did, and how they did it. You're talking about a hospital with multiple campuses, thousands of employees, tens of thousands of customers um, that were a a lot like Hill Country, I'm I'm guessing, Mm -hmm. they were able to clearly articulate to me who they were in such a way that I could understand it. And I'm like, aha, that's Baldridge. If we could ever get to a point where we could clearly articulate who we were, what we did, and how we did it in such a way that we could understand it and our customers, we will have arrived. We call it the Tri-County Way, but Baldridge is like learning to speak Spanish. All you know at first is how to say 
cerveza and taco, and then pretty soon. <laughs> really, right? isn't that, Lindell, that's all you need. Really? Maybe, in, maybe, maybe some chips. And maybe banyo. Got to get to the bathroom. Right? Too, but. <laughs> but pretty soon you understand the language. So, But for us, it was about getting rid of the baggage and having the courage to do it. And um, that hasn't stopped. We eliminated one of our biggest divisions in our school the year we won Baldridge, a 50-year division that was losing money. Mm -hmm. And um, we just knew it was the right thing to do. And so less is more stick to the core. And what it did was bolster up the rest of our programs, made them stronger by eliminating a a weak link. Mm Mm-hmm. It reminds me of uh, Morton Hansen's book, Do Less Than Obsess. Mm -hmm. And he goes out Mm -hmm. and studies high-performing organizations. And he talks about exactly what you're saying, that organizations who are able, and it's a discipline and a hard discipline, but when you're able to to identify what are your top things you're really going to be doing, and it can't be a top 50, um, you know, what are your top two, top three, then that's the organization that starts to actually step away from the curve and really excel. Yeah, he used an example of Steve Jobs mm-hmm. when he had a big team that was working on the iPad versus the ones working on the phone. And he was like, nope, we're going to do one and we're going to do the phone and we're going to do it really well. And all the people on the iPad team are like, wow, am I going to be without a job? Nope, we need you to focus. We need all your talent to do, you know, less than obsess. Mm-hmm. But as I mean, every time we go in front of leaders, Jennifer, we hear over and over and over it's so difficult for leaders to pare down all the things that come at them. Well, because you're choosing between good and good things. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they're right. all good. And some then you then you have to make the list of, well, what's better right. and what's best. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I won't talk about but I know we have obviously um, lots of distractions that can easily pop up whether they're they're being navigated from the market um, and environmental changes and sometimes regulatory regulatory absolutely Uh, or as some brave soul just mentioned you know you can just throw those out the window but (laughs) just kidding (laughs) but making sure we know hey what are the right things to focus on and is it is it we're we're not doing something because it's the right thing to do right Mm -hmm. we're not not doing it for the sake of um just rebelling it's because this is this is tied to our mission this is tied to what we need to be doing right right exactly how often do you lindell have to have to sort of have that conversation with others around you how how often do you do you have remind to look them. at the mm-hmm. yeah look at the list and say less is more or do they remind you oh yeah true oh you you nailed it so yes the senior staff aren't afraid to say field less is more stick to the core and uh, uh yeah they have to remind me but we have the conversation we have two retreats a year and you know if you're going to start somewhere if you're an organization listening today get off site um go break bread together um build your team and work a little bit and talk about what you need to do and not do um, after we won Baldridge, six months later, we cataloged every single thing we do in our organization. We had more things than we have days in a year, days wow. in our school year. Mm-hmm. And we began to look at that, and you would think we would have had that figured out, but it's a never-ending process. And like everybody else, we do stuff because we've always done it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, um, we run our businesses like we run our lives sometimes, um, Brene Brown calls it, we wear this, this badge of honor, this busy badge of honor. Yes. Mm-hmm. We don't do that at Tri-County. And we don't say the word busy, and we try to not let distractions get in the way. And we talked about the p- people I coach. 
my job is to help them say no, right? Learn how to say no. Because you know, folks, the world's not thinking about us. Um, when we say no, nobody nobody cares, to be honest with you. And uh, we have to learn how to do that. And when we do, it provides freedom in our lives with uh, finances, uh, but more importantly, our most important resource, and that's time. time. Mm-hmm. And the same is true in our organizations. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Well, this has flown by, but it's been really an exceptional conversation. And just to reiterate some of the key things we've talked about, um, I think, for again, for me, some of the takeaways I'm hearing, you know, first and foremost, just show you care. Enjoy, engage with your staff, connect with them, communicate in the right ways, uh, be accessible. And, and the second thing that really stood out to me is just making a point to make your team's life easier and better in whatever way that that means for them. Find ways to make it relevant to them and meaningful. And that, I think, aligns with the less is more, right? If we're not overwhelming staff with a million things to do, but rather just the right things to do. Um, and that takes discipline, to your point, to say no to things, to be able to eliminate distractions. But when you're engaging that workforce, that's where it sounds like results are just going to start naturally coming uh, as you have very focused ways that you're doing that. So thank you so much for joining us. It's been great. Thank you for being being on the show. I know Duffy's going to wrap us up. Um, and also thank you for giving back, Lyndall, you mm-hmm. and your team, as you look at 2025 and really making other organizations great, great places to work. Um, you could have been selfish and said, hey, I'm just going to continue to focus on our organization. Right. Thank you for not doing that. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for saying so. We're having a lot of fun doing it. And um it's really, it's really rewarding to be able to, to help other organizations. So thank, thank you for saying so. Well, continued success to you. We really appreciate you joining us. And thanks to everyone who listened to us here on Leader Dialogue, brought to you by the SOAR Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation. On behalf of all of us at this table and our producer, Mike, we'd like to say join us again next week for Leader Dialogue here on Business Radio X. Mm-hmm.